but in your head, in your dream book, in your dream magazine, in your as a child, did you do anything for your 40s and 50s? Because I didn't. No. <laughs> right. It's kind of like that. What? What is that? Time? Late space. Hey, I'm Yvonne Marchese, and you're listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast. Let's get going. This is actually the first podcast recording for Late Bloomer Living ever. I'm not sure where it's going to end up in the episode order, but um, thank you, Donita, for coming on and being my first. Of course. It's an honor. Absolutely. Um, So Donita is also known as Donita Mama Bear, and uh, I have been friends with Donita since high school. We were on the golf team together. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, have been friends ever since. And um, so, you know, Donita had kids well before I did. And uh, at some point, as her kids were growing up, she uh, decided to become a coach and started a podcast. And the reason I'm uh, talking to her today is because I want to hear about the pivot that she made or let her tell you in her own words a little bit more about what she's doing now and how she pivoted and got into coaching. And uh, well, she's not, you're not really coaching anymore, right? Directly. Um, a little bit here and there, but not so much, bit. but um, everything's kind of changed. So you've had a great, really cool transition in your life. That that's really why I wanted to talk to you. So sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's it's really my honor to be your first podcast because I know um, that you are going places and doing things. And when you talked to me about your idea of late bloomer living, I just thought that was fantastic. We both were going through some things and having known each other so long, you know, we know our parents, we know our siblings, we know things that, you know, later in life, maybe you don't have those same We know where the bodies are buried. Yeah, where the bodies are. (laughs) You know, um, we have, we have a good connection and we've always had that kind of friendship where we didn't, if we couldn't talk for a bit, we just picked right up where we left off. And, and, uh, I was lucky and, um, Yvonne's side gig is to a professional photographer. And so I was lucky enough to have her as my branding, um, photographer and my children's, uh, wedding. And I will say that she, she doesn't really do weddings, but she did ours and they turned out to be fabulous. <laughs> and you here and there. It's fun. It's just not it anything. It I do like it. It's fun. They are fun. And she's so good at it. And, really um, we were talking at the wedding and things and, you know, we both hit a point where you, you know, it's, um, in the olden days, we would have been put out to pasture by now. And we mm-hmm. would have been like, Oh, you've peaked. You're over 50. It's time for you to go over there, start knitting, start writing your pen pal, whatever it is you do. But thank goodness, modern times caught up and we don't have to do that anymore. So, <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs> yes. And I did do, I did, um, I did have a, a life before I started Donita Mama Bear and before I, I've written um, a chapter in a book and then, so, and now I've written my own book. Um, I've done some um, speaking events, you know, things like this that really, and I'm teaching a course on the anxiety reset right now. And I want to get into a lot more anxiety workshops, things like that. Cause I feel like in today's world, we're going to have a lot of people. I primarily focus on survivors because I am a five-time cancer survivor, 11 surgeries. I was a caregiver to my mother-in-law who passed away in my husband's arms while I was there. And then, um, I also, uh, 
you know, I lost my dad at a, a long time ago and that was quite a shock. And then when, you know, ancillary things like empty nesters and then, oh, we're not empty nesters anymore. They all came back and my son got married because you were the photographer, you know this, and you know, they live with us now and just, you know, our life has come full circle. But in that time of when um, the kids were gone, I was a first grade teacher. And then I had my kids very young at 26 and 28. I stayed home with them until they went to college and they defined me. They defined who I was. And the name Mama Bear was actually um, given to me by my kids' friends um, because they knew that I was always going to be in their corner. And they also knew not to cross me or my cubs. So, you know. <laughs> I did not know that the, the name came from your kids' friends. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So at a young age, you know, when they were little, because they would always be like, go tell Miss Wheeler. She'll say something, you know. And I'd march down to that school because I had taught at the school and I knew all the educators. And I'd march down there and I'd say, now, I don't think you're being like that fair with, you know, Ted, he, maybe there's some things you don't know that's going on or, you know, whatever. So I'm, I'm convinced there's a picture of me in the lounge with darts, but you know, somebody's got to be there. And, and, uh, so I just decided to, um, I, I was, I had had one of my cancers and my oncologist said the triple negative breast cancer. And the oncologist said, there's two things that'll bring it back. You can drink real quick, real quick. How old were you and how old were the kids? They were in high school still, right? When you had the breast cancer, the triple negative breast cancer diagnosis. I was 41 and 41. William was going into his freshman year of high school and Nick was in seventh grade. Wow. Okay. So they were pretty young. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a pretty, uh, I, I, come to find out that I didn't handle everything as well as I could have. So, you know, kids, they're always your best, you know, um, source of improvement. And so I, uh, they, they let me know that I didn't handle the hair thing. Well, I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yourself. So <laughs> I do wish I had done a little different, but they were young. So uh, formative years, my dad passed away. Um, Oh, actually William was, I'm sorry. My dad passed away when William was a freshman, going to be a freshman, and that following June, so he was going to be a sophomore, and Nick was in eighth grade. I'm sorry. And um, so they were young and still formative. And So those we had, two events were pretty close together for you, with your dad yeah, passing, yeah. and then the, wow, okay. Within I lost the track of the timeline on that. Okay, wow. Yeah, so it was, and you knew my dad. My dad was, yeah. you were in my dad's class. Yeah. Well, I miss him so much. I miss him like every day in this tiniest little way. I don't cry anymore. I mean, I might right now, but I typically don't cry. Um, but you know, I, that is probably what set off in hindsight. My, my dad was probably the beginning of what started like the bottom of the tornado that went up and then got everything going. And then I kind of said, all right, I need to stop this tornado and it needs to be just regular life. And, um, but yeah, that was the beginning of, of a, a really tough time frame for me, a good 10 years. Wow. So, you know, I decided, so my oncologist said, if you, um, if you want to have cancer again, you cannot exercise and you can drink. So, you know, my, uh, treatment was pretty intense. Um, I didn't want to revisit any of that ever again. I ended up doing it four more times, but at the time I was like hell bent on not doing it. So I went to CrossFit cause you know, that's 
the most exercise you can possibly do. And mm -hmm. um, I really don't drink that much. It's an easy quit after, you know, if that's what your oncologist said. So, so I, I did CrossFit for about four years and then I got tired. My body got tired. So I, um, my friend of mine suggested I go to yoga and I thought, all right, I'll go to yoga. And I did um, yoga and then I just loved it. I loved the community. I loved the people. I loved the place. It hired me to work the front desk. And in my usual go-getter self, I had everything done like the third day. So I had a little bit of extra time on my hands at the uh, yoga studio. And she let me do a lot of like their social media and things like that. So I learned a lot of skills like that lend itself to starting your own company because I was doing them for the yoga studio. I did social media. I learned Instagram. I learned um, like a business emails. And as easy as that sounds, I had never been exposed to business emails because right. I was a teacher and a mom. Yeah. Yeah. After so, all those years. Right. Right. So I didn't know like the protocol for companies or anything else like that, but I worked there almost about three years and it was a really good learning experience. I learned how to, I learned more about myself than I had had in years. So I feel like even though it was a challenge to work there, I feel like it was probably the best thing I ever did. And how and, old were you when you, at that point, when you were working at the yoga studio? Let's see. I was, I turned 50 when I was still working there. So I think I was like 47 mm -hmm. when I went to work $10 an hour with my college mm -hmm. degree. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, good Lord. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think to myself, why didn't I go to college? <laughs> 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 but I do, I do like the teaching and, and it just couldn't, I couldn't, I felt myself being a teacher at the yoga studio as well. You know, like just that same organizational skills. I can't get it out of me, but you know, my dad was a professor. My mom was You're one of the most organized people I know. You're one of those people <laughs> who can whip things into shape in no time. <laughs> I did it well. I might get it done. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Um, you know, long line of teachers and I just, it's just a burning desire in me to um, not have anybody go through what I went through. Like, let me take the hit for you. Let me just tell you here, this is what happened. This was the outcome. You can avoid this by doing this. And not that I'm right, or uh, I know everything, but just that jumping off point where you can maybe make things a little easier. That was a burning desire in my soul. It was just, you have to share your experiences. When did you realize that you had the desire to, to help people through the survivorship and the cancer journey and everything? Cause that's kind of where it started, right? Was right, with, right. Yes. with helping yeah. people through the cancer journey, yep. diagnosis to survivorship, right? Yes. And that's kind of what happened. Like at the yoga studio, I would talk to people as they came in. I remembered their names. I'd be like, hi, Ted, how are you today? How's your wife? Is she feeling better? How's her treatment? And it seemed to always, and at the time I didn't realize that that would be the population of a yoga studio because I hadn't had that exposure. Mm -hmm. So I, I realized over time that of course, um, yoga is a, a safe place to come. So I wanted to, to keep it safe for them, but, but I did have a, an ability to really connect one-on-one -on -one with most of the people that came in there. And I think that built my confidence in being able to talk to people. And then I thought, well, why don't I be a coach? And this was like four years ago. So I just hopped online and got a certificate. Like I would like to tell you it was harder than that, but it was not. 
and then I, then I decided, okay, I think I want to be a cancer coach. And, um, there was no regulations for cancer coaches whatsoever. So I just kind of did what I thought I would have needed while I was in cancer. And then it's funny how things have a way of working out. I thought, okay, I'll just be a cancer coach. You know, it'll be pay as you see fit. Cause I hadn't learned to put a, a dollar amount on my, on my value because at the time I didn't know if I had that much value. So, you know, as a businesswoman who goes guessing yourself and sure, well, I didn't have the experience either, you know, right. right. um, Teachers get their, their reassurance from their students. You know, I love Mm -hmm. you, Mrs. Wheeler. Or when I was pregnant with William, one of my kids one day said, you look really fat and tired. (laughs) I was like, oh, (laughs) so feedback. (laughs) But you know, I was used to that. So so I, I just sat with, for probably six months, I sat with, I'm a teacher. I've had these experiences. And at this point I had had um, the triple negative breast cancer, which I did have a 1% chance of living, which I was like, oh, you'll need more than that. I, I just need the 1%. I'm good. And then I did had the ovarian cancer where I did a partial hysterectomy and they removed um, ovarian cancer from my left side. And I had done that at this point. And then I'd also had, I had some skin cancer on the side of my face, non-melanoma malignant skin cancer. Mm-hmm. And it took them, oddly enough, it took them as many surgeries to get this right as it did for them to get the margins on my breast right. So um, I had been through four and I thought at the time, I thought, oh, that's a, that's a good amount. I really feel like I have a wide spectrum too. It's breast cancer and ovarian and skin. You know, that's a pretty large percentage of, of cancers. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think I can speak to this. And then I had a client and he had pancreatic cancer and he, he knew he was going to pass away when we started talking and I started coaching him and I was in, my son was in Italy, Nick was in Italy and we went over to see him. He graduated and instead of walking on the stage, he, he had us come and we, we spent some time with him over there and that client passed away while I was there and it took everything out of me. It just made me reevaluate everything and realize that I couldn't handle that. I can't mm-hmm. handle that. So I got out of the cancer coaching cause I wasn't strong enough to do it. And I'm fine with that. I have a girl that I recommend to Dindi. She is a cancer doula and she is wonderful. I send everybody her way and that is her skill, her talent. She's fantastic. Wow. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, I really need to see what I'm going to do now. And about that time, my mother-in-law, was diagnosed with, well, Whitney, uh, my husband was laid off. And then two days later, uh, his mom was diagnosed. Hang on. I'm going to, I'm going to back you up because somewhere along the line in there, besides the coaching, you started your radio show or your podcast. Yes. Yes. I started that. So I started the company and I met, uh, so when I, when I decided to go ahead and make a logo and like do everything, I asked, um, I can't remember how I met her. I asked a friend, Hey, who do you use for your logo stuff? And, Oh, she was recommended to me by somebody else. And so she told me this guy, Aaron. So I called Aaron and he got me a logo and everything. And then I called her back to say, thank you. And she said, Hey, I'm going to this meeting this week. Do you want to go? It's, she didn't tell me what it was for. And I was like, okay, what, but I didn't realize that she didn't tell me what it was for until I I got there. (laughs) And it was a meeting for new podcasts. Wow. And so she had heard me speak, like, I guess our conversations or something like that. And she said, you know, you have a good voice for 
podcasting. And at, at the time it was still called a radio show because it's been like almost four years now. So podcasting was just, I mean, in my world, podcasting was just getting started. I have no idea what it was like in the real world, mm-hmm. but in my world, I was just starting to understand podcasts and what they did. So I went to this meeting and um, I believe you met Katie and Joe at the wedding. Mm-hmm. They were, they were my first podcast um, people over at Society Bites Radio. And um, Katie and Joe were just wonderful. They, I just had to get a time and a date and show up and they did everything else. And it was a paid service. So I, I felt like they did a great job getting me out there, getting everything going, um, being patient with me, holding my hand. And then when Billy was diagnosed with her cancer, my mother-in-law, I called her and I said, I can't do this. She said, yes, you can. It's four people a month. You can do this. You can do right, one yourself. You started off with an interview format, right? Yes. Did you ever yeah. do episodes where it was just you talking? I did. Yeah, did. I did. So you had a mix of just you and interviews. So you were setting up those interviews with people. So that was a lot of legwork, right? Yes. And yes. a lot and to it, try to yeah. keep up with while you're trying to be a caregiver. Right. And well, at that point I had already been doing it for almost two years. So the, the real beginning of the podcast, you know, you get your intro and your outro, you get your um, logo, you get your interviewers, you have to get your email system set up, you know, how you confirm how they do it. Now with Zoom, it's a lot easier. You can just send the Zoom link. Whereas before Katie and Joe, before Zoom, or you could really do it, we were doing it on Skype before. Um, I had to go through Katie or Joe because they had the means to do it. Um, And they set it up to where it was very economical, easy to do. Did you you record in your own home back then? Or did you go into a studio with them? Or you you just still did it in your own home and then sent them files? Yeah, uh, she did it all. I just showed, I just called her. Um, Oh, okay. but I could have gone in. They did have a studio. It's just, they lived at, near the Tampa area and I was in Hollywood near Miami. Yeah, so it was sure. like a four hour drive. I could have, but I just didn't. So um, you did it for a good long time before Billy got sick, right? And so you, you had a pretty good listenership by the time all that went down, right? Surprisingly, like I was very surprised. It was probably, I try, first of all, two things that I do that I don't think you're supposed to do, but it's whatever. I never listen to them because I can't, I cannot, I, I am the world's worst critic. And I just, two minutes into oh, it, I was, like, I was like, you never listen to who, but you never listen to your own podcast. No, I do not. I do not. But, and I should, I probably should learn something, but I have other people listen and tell me so I can, I just don't know what's real and not real. What's my inner critic. And, you know, I'm probably at the point where I could listen to them now, but in the beginning I could not because I would have stopped. Did you, so, so you just brought up your inner critic, which, which is something that I always feel like is a big thing for people in midlife for anybody really. But I feel like especially you get to a certain point in your life and that inner critic is, is solid. It's a companion that's been with you for a long time and it knows how to talk to you and take you down. Um, So when you decided to become a coach, when you decided to try a podcast or a radio show um, or whatever, did you have that inner critic in the back of your head? Like, wah, 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 or did you just decide, Oh, I'm just going to go for it. Why not? Was well, it, uh, it was probably half and half, you know, like, okay, I'm just going to go for it. And I've learned to, um, 
I'm a very good um, ignorer. Like I could ignore things pretty well. So when I, one of the reasons I don't listen to them is because I know, I know the things that I could have done better when I got off the, the interview. Um, I make a mental note for myself. I keep notes. And then I had to quiet my inner critic by not listening to my own podcast. So that's how I handled it because mm-hmm. I couldn't, it, there wasn't a, a broad audience for me to discuss it with either. You know, I couldn't like, my husband was good, but he worked all the time. The kids were in college. Um, you know, very few of my friends have the ability to walk me through something for an hour during the day, you know, just, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it became easier to do the more I did it. And then it became easier to be less critical the more people started podcasting. Mm-hmm. So, did you, do you feel like part of why you, you were able to silence that critic is maybe because you had a really big reason to do what you were doing? Oh, for sure. Like, I think if it was something else, like if it wasn't like a life and death situation of like cancer and how to be a survivor. And I spent like the first six months of my survivorship from my from my first cancer in isolation. I, I painted my home. I did anything other than get for a couple of reasons. First of all, for my immunity, because I was completely shot. And second of all, because I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was very angry. So I went through a very angry time where I was just mad. And all I did was paint the inside of my house. It was so weird. It's, it's definitely a release for me, that inner painting, that quietness, being by myself, building up the, the bravery. And also to, to imagine at the same time, my physical appearance was pretty bad. I looked like a, that girl from Violet from the Willy Wonka, you know, like I blew up with all the steroids. I was bald. I didn't have any hair anywhere. My nails had fallen out, you know, walk on my feet all the time. I was, I didn't even know who I was. It was like, I stepped into a cancer outfit every day and then, you know, I could barely take it off or be by myself. I just, it was a situation that I didn't think anybody else should have to go through. So that inner desire to share that hurt, the pain, the physical, the emotional, the, the pain of, of just you and your cancer, you know, where nobody else can live in that spot except for the, the two of, of those things. I don't want to say people, but you know, the two of those things and that desire to share that, to, to make it easier for anybody else is what kept me going. I mean, there was probably, I think Katie talked me off the ledge, I don't know, 300 times. And, you know, there's still times, even when I do now, and I'm probably almost 150 episodes into it or something, you know, I still get really nervous. If somebody does, if, if my electronics aren't working correctly, I get a hot flash, you know, Mm -hmm. I still get flustered and I know there's so many ways I could improve. Um, but I just, just like everybody else at this particular stage in our life, you know, I'm doing what I can with the time that I have available. So, and, and, you know, like now we have a lot of time and I probably could have improved some, but I haven't gone down that alley yet. Yeah. Well, we haven't even talked about like this particular moment in time and, and all that. Um, so really interesting. Cause you know, funny enough, like you and I, as, as much as I've known you, we never really talked about what launched you into becoming Donita Mama Bear and doing what you're now doing. And, and, um, and that has then 
since you started it, now you've, 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 you've pivoted and I see a change happening with you where you've taken on going out and becoming a speaker and you're really taking on more. It's, it's yeah. really exciting to watch, you know? Um, as weird as this sounds, not in a stuck up way, but I'm so proud of me. You know, I'm, I was the yes mom. I was the stay at home mom. I was the typical like 1950s wife, you know, like, you know, I'm sure a lot, a lot of my friends that are women are like, oh, please stop throwing us backwards. But now I've stepped into a role where I feel like I've definitely, I'm like living a second life, which is exactly what this is about, right? Your, your midlife, because we know retirement's different. We've seen specs of that. We knew what, like going to college, you knew it's like, you had a mental plan. I got, I go to college and then I don't know about you, but here's what happened with my plan as a child. Oh, I'm going to finish school and get really good grades. I'm going to go to college and then I'm going to, you know, whatever it was, be a teacher. Be an, I wanted to be a, um, a gemologist, but that wasn't available in my school. So, you know, you pick these things, but in your head, in your dream book, in your dream magazine, and your, as a child, did you do anything for your forties and fifties? Cause I didn't. No. <laughs> Right. It's kind of like that. What, what is that time? Blank space. Weird middle years, you know? Yes. And That's you know, cause you know, as grandparents and then retirement, you, you already know all of that. And you've heard of that as a child too. You've heard of, oh, my grandparents and my pa grandparents are retired. They travel. I see them. I go to their house, you know, right? Yeah. What in the world, what happened to our dream book between like 40 and 55? Like what happened? Yeah. I feel like, it? I feel like the middle year, the middle age um, years are kind of like the, uh, the awkward years, you know, like it's a, it's kind of similar, awkward. like from when you, when you, when you become that cute little kid yeah. and you're growing That's into sweet. yourself as an adult, you get those teenage awkward years. And I feel like, again, that transition happens from being uh, a young adult to then becoming an old person, everything starts to go wrong. Well, and then and just think like, about it's like, what is happening to my skin and this hair? Hormones. And it's hormones body. all over again. And you it's know, like this awkward transition. <laughs> and like, once you get to like the old person place, you're just a cute old person, you know, right, but in between right. there's this like, uh, well, and in the hormones, <laughs> you know, like, you know, and, and they're not just women, men do it too. Uh -huh. I mean, that's why I think it's called menopause because, you know, like, <laughs> I always tell Whitney, you're in menopause. You need to stop. <laughs> but, you know, there is, I mean, think about how many of your friends that you know right now who have gotten a divorce, who have had some tragic loss in their life. You know, it is that time in life, just like when you look back at the middle school pictures or early high school pictures, you're like, oof, that was awkward. I think it's the same thing now. Like, just like you're saying, you have like a second, but nobody, there's, I mean, now there is, but it used to be that you're bringing it to light. People are bringing it to light, but otherwise you just flounder around in this time frame. You're like, what is happening right now? Right, right. And everything that you you did when you were younger, like if, if you raise, you know, if, if you're a person who had kids and then now, I mean, I'm, I started late. So my kids are still with me and, and, and young enough that I, I'm not empty nester yet, but it's coming fast and furious. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Or you've had a career your whole life, let's say. And, the, and then all of a sudden you get to your fifties and maybe, you know, some ageism starts to creep in or, and you get a layoff and, and then it's hard to go back and find something, um, at this age, you know, or 
yeah that's just what happened to Whitney. Are gone and what do you do what, yeah. where, where do you go from there and i feel like it's time to tap back in at that point to to those to either new dreams or dreams that you maybe gave up on a long time ago and even might have forgotten about you know yeah or adjust the old dreams you know that to, to meet modern mm -hmm. day to, to meet what's really happening in your life now but mm -hmm. i definitely i think you're definitely on to something i think it's it is absolutely a time where we all need that support and you know um you may have transitions a lot of things so like you may have trans transitioned a, a marriage you may have transitioned a job you may have transitioned where you lived what you know um just a, a vast number of things in the middle of your life I joke with a friend of mine um, that, you know, four years ago, we were very stable people. Now between the two of us, she, she's renting a home. She's divorced. She's got a brand new career. I've moved from Florida to Washington state as far away from Florida as I could get, you know, like we're, uh, Whitney lost his job to ageism and was, was out of a job for two years and, and it worked out well to take care of his mom, but he was still out of a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is, um, I mean, you, you seem to have very gracefully made your change into what you're doing now. Um, uh, what do you think is, uh, what do you think is a, a reason why somebody would be, uh, what am I trying to say? Well, what would be a specific roadblock that you think another person might run into they need to to get around i think the success rate you know you're if you've come off a if you've come off a career that you were pretty successful or you're at least very familiar with you are coming off something that you you can you know practically do in your sleep and that's that as well as a job that maybe provides you a little bit of adrenaline and things like that so you know, if you can get past the learning curve of mm -hmm. technology and, mm -hmm. you know, just the new <laughs> word, you know, all of that, if you oh, can get yeah. past that, I think, what do you always say to me? You always say something so cute. What, um, about one and done, oh. you know, it's better done than none. Oh, better done than perfect. Yes. As a recovering yeah. perfectionist. Uh, <laughs> yes. Better done than perfect is the thing I tell myself as often yes. as I have to. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and you know, realistically, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not have a thousand people knock down my doors, but I am prepared for that. You know, if, if something happens and I am able to help thousands and thousands of people that would just make my heart shine so much more than any, you know, red bottom shoe or giant diamond mm -hmm. helping people makes my heart happy. And I think if you can find a way, especially when you've been touched by death, um, if you can find a way to live a life that's true to you and that is still feed you and, helps other people. I think that's what midlife is for me personally. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've got possibly, you know, a whole lot of time ahead of us. So what are we going to do with that time? Right? Yes. And you can't like literally, I, I, I told Whitney, my, Whitney's my husband the other day, I said, he, he just started, you know, after two years, he started a new job and um, I'm doing this, he's doing his thing and he, it's new for him cause he's working at home. He's never been at home. So, you know, a lot of changes, I mean, not just from COVID he's working at home anyway. 
Um, but it is really a crazy time. It's like when you got out of college and you didn't know what you were going to do or what was going to happen, but you have 30 years of experience. So you can start over like we're, I'm 52, right? So when I'm, if I want to retire at 70, that's what, okay. My math's not that great, but 15 ish years. And so like 13 years. So, you know, 13 years is a darn long time to have a really good career. Yeah, absolutely. I am more fit and healthy and sleep better and everything than I did in my twenties and thirties when, you know, Oh, the young can do it. The young can do it. No, I can do it. Yeah. It might take me a little longer, but I can do it. And I'll probably I do a better say job. say that people, um, that um, entrepreneurs or new businesses that are started by people in their middle age are more likely to be successful because of the life experience that comes behind the person starting that business. Um, right. Yeah. So, and and totally I think the sense. main thing that we all have to get around is the fear of actually stepping in and doing something new like that. Well, I think the biggest thing at this, I would agree with you. And that's, that's what I'm teaching right now is, is like it just, sorry for this shameless push, but you know, I'm the, the anxiety and how to reset your anxiety. Mm-hmm. You're, we're old enough now to understand where anxiety comes from, where you can pinpoint what makes it happen. You, you, I mean, you're old enough to be able to know all of that. It's not like it's a mystery. Right. Um, but so you can literally learn how to turn on and off your anxiety, which I feel like has, so, goes hand in hand with success you know, um, but because not all anxiety is bad. Some anxiety is good. You know, it makes you do things. I mean, I'm so anxious to go to Walt Disney. I'm so anxious to, to meet my new friend for dinner. You know, I keep giving all these examples as though we're not stuck inside. (laughs) I know, I know. Oh my gosh. I mean, but this is an interesting time because I think it's forcing us all to kind of go inward. You, you mentioned that, um, uh, that, that the anxiety can be useful. it was one of my nieces who actually introduced me to the term eustress. Have you heard of that? No. What's it called? Eustress. Eustress. I don't know how it's spelled. E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. It's, it's stress. I mean, there's stress that causes, if it's continual stress that raises your cortisol levels, right? That's the kind of stress that um, can make you unhealthy. Sure. You stress is a, a, the sort of stress that that you if you step into it and move through it, it actually challenges you, and it's that whole idea of um, well, anxiety and excitement being two two sides of the same coin. Right. Um, so so it's kind of like two different kinds of stress, like maybe, and maybe it's just even your attitude going into the stress, you know? I just was looking it up while you t- were saying it's E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. And examples of use stress and distress are things like the death of a spouse, filing for divorce, losing contact with loved ones. Um, these, that, that actually speaks to exactly what you're saying. These things are, um, the, like, I mean, it may not sound like it's a great thing to, to file for a divorce, but if you need to file for a divorce, you need to file for a divorce. And, you know, like, um, I can see where that that's and a, an example of you stress would be strength training. Like yeah. you're, you're, you're putting stress on your muscles, but you're building strength in doing that. Um, right. you know, and so the same thing with a challenging new 
you know, passion project or a new career, um, that's you stress. That's like, okay, it's stressful, but it's exciting. Right. 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 And it's driving. So like, I totally, um, I talk about anxiety being an energy and, um, I, I, we just talked about this yesterday, how, you know, that, that good energy does, I mean, you know how, like when your child is going to be hit by a car, you can stop a car and they're like, well, she's like 95 pounds. How'd she stop a car? Well, it's that right. adrenaline, you know, in you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like mid, it's like midlife has so much adrenaline built up, but you have to like channel it the right way because midlife could also go very, very wrong. You could become an alcoholic or a holic of any sort, you know, your drug dependency or, you know, eating, um, dating sex, you know, all of these things can turn South, which is what we usually hear about, you know, like I feel like taking this late bloomer living is taking it down a very positive route instead of like, Oh, did you hear about Larry? He's, you know, he's checked himself into rehab five times, right. you know, like instead of that, midlife crisis, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, midlife blossoming. I don't know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> perfect. Which is perfect. That's exactly what it should be doing. And that's, that's where our mindset should be. Like, you know, we should set the bar at a different place or, you know, maybe when you're 35, we should start talking about, well, wait until your midlife and you can really blossom and and, and grow new ways yeah, then, right? you know, let's change the, the rhetoric, change let's, the dialogue around it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I like that idea. Well, and it's all you like, I've, I remember, I can tell you exactly where I was when you told me about this idea. I was sitting in the car in um, Hollywood, Florida at Oakwood Plaza in the second parking spot in front of TJ Maxx. <laughs> and <laughs> I know. And aren't I weird? And I, so, I, uh, and I just thought to myself, genius, like what a wonderful way to frame things and what a great way to be there and, and stand up and, and be there for your own midlife. You know, that is fantastic. And I applaud you. I know that Aww. roadblock after roadblock, in your head has occurred, but I would tell you in, in real life, you've made nothing but progress every day. And you, you, you know, like the desire to do this and have the podcast and everything else like that is wonderful. And I think that, you know, how we can't go to dinner right now and have a wines up glass to, you know, somebody who's starting a new job. That's what this podcast is going to do for people. It's going to give them the strength and the desire and the understanding to go forward and live their dreams Thank and you. how well, awesome I'm open for. <laughs> yeah. Well, and how awesome that you facilitate. Nobody better could facilitate that. So, oh, you know, you, that's, uh, I feel like, um, my, I, I don't, she won't tell you this, but you know, Yvonne, um, in our, in our back, back in the 20, her twenties, you know, you were, um, an actress and that is one of the things that I've always loved about you is your ability to read a scene and, you know, do what you need to do to get through it. There's quite a skill and you and your husband are both the same way. And I really think that this is a fantastic platform for people to be able to really aggressively undertake their midlife blossoming. Thank you so much. So I'm going to, I think we'll probably need to wrap up. Actually, I think my, my computer battery is getting low. Um, oh no. but before we go, um, actually let's go back to video so I can see your sweet face. 
I know you all can't see this, but um, over over the podcast, but I do want to see you before I go. Um, I just wanted to ask you before I go, uh, if you could go ahead and do those shameless plugs and let people know what's going on for you next, where to find you, um, tell them about your book. I do. I have two books. Um, I wrote a chapter in the Lemonade Stand. Um, I took my chapter and I wrote a whole book and it's called Bear Myself, B-A-R-E, Bear Myself, What Now, How to Regain Control in Your Life. And it's basically the first half of the book is my challenges and struggles I've had until I wrote the book. And then the second part was mainly how I, how I um, dealt with it and got through it. But I would... <laughs> Like I wrote it almost a year ago. Like I have learned so much since then. There'll probably be another book. Um, I have a website, www.donitamabear. It's mama bear, donitamamabear.com. And then I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and they're all donitamamabear, whatever. Right. And I'll post, um, I'll put links to, uh, so your book's available on Amazon, right? Both as Kindle and and paperback, I think at this point, right? The paperback's out. Um, And uh, so I'll put links to all that so people can come and find you and check you out. And uh, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you. It's it's really an honor. And aside from being friends, um, I really, even if we weren't friends, it it is, absolutely an honor to be on your podcast and I wish you the best of luck in reaching all the midlife bloomers out there. Thank you so much. All right. Love you. I love you too. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Donita. Um, she's great. Isn't she? That's why we've been friends so long. Anyway, you can find more information about her at donitamamabear.com. You can check out her book, which is Bear Myself, B-A-R-E, as in bear naked, (laughs) dare I say. Um, So Bear Myself is the name of her new book, and she also has a chapter in the very inspiring The Lemonade Stand. And if you enjoyed this, I hope you will share it out with people. Let people know about the podcast. I would so appreciate that. Um, Feel free to leave a review if you want to. Please stay safe and healthy. And I hope hope this uh, brings you a little bit of encouragement if there's something big you want to do that feels big at least. It doesn't feel big. (laughs) Anyway, um, thank you guys so much for listening. Bye-bye.